Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Ortari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who just casually hangs out at swimming pools looking at young women. It's nothing, it's no big deal, no no problem. I'm the Adam Glass, and I'll have you know I'm casting a new movie. Like, okay, okay. And, uh, like all the greats. Like all the greats, you start with the premise of, who's a hot lady I can find first? <laughs> I have no plot. Yeah. I have no even idea. But what I do have is a knowledge that the first and most important thing I have to do is cast a woman based on her appearance. Right. At least Polanski had a script first. <laughs> like, seriously, though. Like, I mean, like, that's a very, like, the rapist is at a very low bar here. But, like, the pre- the concept that you're like, well, what I know, because, like, bear in mind that Antonioni is, is clearly using this character as a, some sort of surrogate for himself, right? Um, right. Is the idea... You're like, well, the most important thing about an actress is what she looks like. Never mind her appropriateness for the role, her acting abilities, none of this. I need to find the woman that looks right. And then that will somehow spark me to make a movie. Like, I'll be like, oh, well, now that I've got this beautiful woman here. Because beautiful is a key component of this, right? Like, it's, it's, well, it's, yes. it's you're not casting for. And young. Young and, yeah, inappropriately young. <laughs> um, I feel like we get such an intense insight into Antonioni as a person from watching this movie. It's just an insight I didn't yeah. want or need. <laughs> uh, Pat, you see, the thing is, if you hire a woman from the swimming pool to be in your movie, uh, you can free tickets mold, to the swimming pool. You can always make someone. You can always make someone into a better actress. You can't make someone into a more beautiful actress. Like uh, so no doubt, really that important. is literally the mental inner, like mental process that's going on here. It, it is very uh, no, fucked absolutely. up. Yeah, like you're not that's, exaggerating yeah, what's it's, actually it's happening bad. here. It's, it's bad. real fucked up. I'm not satirizing. I'm just verbalizing. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we'll get into it obviously in the episode. I I think one could argue, unlike Fellini, who knows his Italian film director main character, who's an expy of himself. Uh, is a bad person, but is embracing that badness. Right. Like, yeah. I'm not sure. No. I either don't know that Antonioni knows this guy's bad or wants the audience to know that he's I bad. I don't. My suspicion is no, he doesn't. Like, in, in my, in yeah. my, deep down in my heart, I feel that, like, Antonioni thinks that this guy is reasonable. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't not because. We don't get indications that he's the bad guy beyond like the fact that like his sister, you know, we see him lash out, and I think maybe Antonioni realizes that like those sort of like intense violent reactions are bad. And the yeah. movie might, and the movie in some ways is about that. I just don't think he realizes that like at first principles it's bad. Well, we'll get into it more, but we're still technically in the introduction, so probably time to play the theme song. I guess so. Pat, before we get too much more into the movie, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to bonus content. We do a non-criterion film each month. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch, and then we watch it, and 
we have fun and it's great and you should you should support us we so you can listen to those episodes too always enjoy it more than we do um the main, than, than these movies <laughs> almost always there has been there has been a a couple at least one episode of the bonus uh the patreon podcast where uh we watched a movie worse than anything we've watched for for the Criterion Collection. I mean, none. there's been a couple. Uh, Let's be clear here. There's been a couple. I mean, but, yeah. quality-wise, they often are worse than what we see from the Criterion Collection, but but there was one that was just uh, so bad, uh, it, it made us both want to hate ourselves uh, and regret, <laughs> regret making that choice. Uh, and that was, of course, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, don't... Uh, usually... Uh, there's there's a few movies in the Criterion Collection like Antichrist or uh, uh, Sallow where I would never recommend anyone watch him, but I'm still kind of okay with the fact that I watch them. I understand the point they were making. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they were okay. We, and we've we've definitely come around uh, with, as we've done this yeah. more. It has given us a greater appreciation for like some yeah. of those more controversial entries into the right. into the Criterion Collection. Sergeant Pepper's I could never recommend to anyone. Under any circumstances, no, because it's a kind of it's a kind of like torture you're you're assigning them. That one dollar mark gets you access to the entire uh, back catalog of those episodes too. There's, uh, I think, about seventy five over there now, uh, and yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it, and we like uh, we like the little community we got going over there. A little above that one dollar mark for folks who can afford to help us keep going, help us pay our server bills a little bit more. We greatly appreciate them. And we like to thank them on air. So thank you so much to our $5 supporters, Eric Coronado, Chris Otto, Stephen Goldmeyer, and Andrew Jarrett. So happy to have you guys supporting us at $5. Yes. yes. A bit above that, $10 and above, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the moves we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note once a month, and send that off to our $10 and above supporters. Also, like to thank them on air and thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Jason Westaver, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, and Tracy McGrath, our $10 and above supporters right now. If you want to check out those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there. Our store will come up and you can buy our postcards and see all those postcards. Uh, even if you don't want to purchase anything off the store, it still acts as a little gallery of Pat's art and it's really fun. Uh, but yeah, you can buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, some as uh, magnets or phone cases, a little assortment of things, depending on what I felt like as I scrolled through the the checklist. Of <laughs> every time it's a, it's every time is a bespoke experience. Yeah, everything exists as a postcard. What else it exists as is is kind of random, uh, just on the whim of me that day. But yeah. it's the best way Thank to do you. this. I I think personally. I think right. I think so too. Thank no, you so I, yeah. much to everyone who has purchased anything off that red bubble. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon and thank you for listening. Pat this week uh we've already started to get into it but we are talking about another Michelangelo Antonioni film our first since spine number 522 Red Desert a movie uh we absolutely hate it. Um, uh, and, uh, here's what here will, here's what I will say is now now because like they can do this sometimes. There's a magical power that the Criterion Collection has, which is like now that one seems like it has artistic merit in comparison to this one. <laughs> I will say Red Desert 
if if the point of Red Desert was what the point of Red Desert should have been, instead of uh, pollution gives people depression and they should get over themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, which is which is you know, death of the author being a thing, but that is Antonio's Antonioni's stated theme of the movie. Well, and the, the thing about it is, like, death of the author though relies on the idea that you yourself as an audience member could have a different read on it. But like, right. movies can and movies, books, all that stuff. The author can insert enough of himself that it overwhelms right. your ability to read it differently, right? right, right? right, right. Like, and Antonioni right. does do that. Like, Red, you know, Red Desert is so, so clearly about that, right? And it, and everything it articulates visually and like, it, and, yeah. and like with the dialogue. You can't like you. You don't. You're not given any freedom to read it any other way, right? Right. He right, borderline right. in the film just has the characters restate the the, the his <laughs> right, beliefs, right. right, over and over yeah. and over again. And 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 then yeah. and so like what I meant though is just that like there's something Red Desert at least has something artistically in its visuals interesting going on. Yeah, it is a visually De- intriguing movie at the very least. Right, but Red Red Desert's intriguing visuals are. All associated with the depressing images of overindustrialization. A hundred percent. Which, 100%, which yeah. ultimately the movie argues is a good thing, which is insane because because it's like his cinematographer just was trying to shoot the better version of that. Right. Of that like, theory. well, you you end up in a really interesting place where, like, well, you could imagine, like, if you were to like do what they did to Japanese anime in the 90s and just strip out all the yes. dialogue and replace it with your own, you can make a really fascinating movie with that, right? Like, right, just right, have right. them say Absolutely. different things, but with the same extremely depressing visuals, right? Um, yeah. And, and like, those visuals, the cinematographer did interesting things. It is visually right. intriguing, but for, the per- for, but for really horrible purposes. All right. Uh, so Red... Red Desert came out in 1964. It was the last movie that Antonioni made in Italy, set in Italy, rather, uh, until this film, 1982's Identification of a Woman. Uh, this is Antonioni much older. You know, it's it's nearly 20 years later, right? Uh, it's Antonioni pushing 70. Uh this is the very first film Antonioni's ever made where the main character is a film director, which is kind of odd to me because it seems like... I, obviously, Fellini gets us a long way with the stereotype, but right. that just seems like something we've seen from every Italian director. It, is, it feels like a thing they're required to do by law, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. An Italian film director making a movie about an Italian film director just seems like something we've seen from everyone, and I bet we've only actually seen it from Fellini. Uh, no, no, I think you're right. Sir, I, yeah. I, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we got it a couple other times, maybe floating around. We've probably we're probably we've gotten it some, some French directors too. You know, yeah. It, 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 it's right. just more. Guitar like, like to do that too. Yeah, it's more that like it seems to be almost stereotypical of directors in general. There's a lot of directors who are very like in many ways like want to talk about their art, right? Yeah. And the yeah, way they've right. decided to talk about their art is through the medium of like. Literal in it, like literalness. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm what I'm trying to say uh, is, it kind of feels like a hack move. If I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> right. Well, what did, uh, I wrote? I wrote a. I wrote a book. What's the you know? What's it about? I'm like, well, it's about a writer who, and I'm like, all right, we're we're in hack territory yeah. now. Exactly. Exactly. 
yeah. <laughs> do, do fun sexual exploits happen to that to that writer in your book? Of course. Well, yeah. Now we're definitely in hack territory. I'm saying if you applied this to novels, it would be in the bargain bin every time. Because you'd be like, oh, yeah. it's a movie about an, a middle-aged right author having weird sexual exploits with young women? Huh. That doesn't seem like an author <laughs> insert in any capacity. This doesn't sound like trash to me. <laughs> yeah. This is – yeah. This is uh, – at, admittedly, at least, the director character in this movie is younger than Antonioni is at the time. Uh, well, I think that's part. Of, I think that's probably part of the, part the of, need to right part of the wish the, fulfillment sort of thing. Too. Yeah, it's like, well, yes. what if I weren't seventy years old and like, right? You know, my my junk didn't work anymore or whatever. Right? Like, seems to be right. This is, yeah. Another aspect of this is certainly of the Antonioni films we've seen. I don't know about his entire career, uh, but this is the most sexually this is the most sexually explicit. Antonioni film we've seen. To be fair, and Red the Desert did have, a, have an, at an orgy at a weird pier, but like, you know, I mean... <laughs> that is true, but, yes, but are, there wasn't but actually... Is explicit. This is explicit. Those ones were not yeah. explicit. You're right. 100% right. I'm just making fun of the idea yeah. that like... Antonioni's right. had a had a fixation with this for a long time anyway. Yeah. And and I go back and forth on, on what he's trying to do with these because they're also sort of rote. Uh, and the soundtrack he uses is... Enough to make it parody of well, a sex scene. Well, the soundtrack is like, it is, right? The soundtrack in this film is really fucking strange. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's the closest thing to being, like, art in the film. Like, I do not find, <laughs> yeah. cinematically, like, from a, from a cinematography perspective, this movie has essentially, in my mind, nothing to recommend it. It could be yeah. just, it, it feels like any jab or like, not Japanese, any any film of that of this like late 70s early 80s like my son walked in on like me watching the movie like before he went to bed i'm not talking about the sex yeah. or anything like that but he's like you watching colombo again I'm like no i'm not <laughs> there are bits that of was, this that, do that was his like gut reaction to like late 70s early yes. 80s like aesthetic yeah. like and because yeah. of like antonioni i i suspect this is my supposition he is an older man He's going to yeah. fall behind the trends of like, of art, right? To a certain extent, yeah. right? Um, and like, so his movie feels like it's set in the seventies, and so yeah. we do run into that all the time, right? We talk about like what you think of as the seventies is actually the eighties, what you think of as the eighties is actually the nineties. There's a whole sort of like the amount of time it takes for some some aesthetic to permeate enough that it's ever present, oftentimes extends into the beginning of the next aesthetic, right? So like, it does make sense. But it's just funny because he's like, well, yeah, this is like in his mind. He looked at it. And he's like, between the film stock and the the like the the like the visual aesthetic of the buildings and the people, he's like, God, yeah. this is this is Colombo. You're watching Colombo, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm just watching well, a shitty Italian movie, kiddo. Go to bed. <laughs> there, there might well, be a naked woman sh- at any minute. Go to bed. <laughs> this movie is shot by Carlo De Palma, who is the same person who shot Red Desert, right? Uh and I, I, I do want to push back a second because you're mostly right with with a few exceptions, I think. Uh, the entire fog sequence is really atmospheric in, in a nice way. It's kind of a special. Uh, it, feel, it feels, it feels yeah. out of character for the rest of the movie is the problem. Yeah. It would feel in the, character with, with Red Desert. It doesn't feel in character for right. this movie. Yes. The final sequence... Uh, 
or the penultimate sequence rather where uh nick and ida are breaking up the hotel and we get uh-huh. shots with like the re- the reflection of the seagulls in the window uh-huh. uh i think are neat and and very artistic uh especially considering i don't care about their conversation at all so getting to watch the birds was uh was fun and then uh there's one other just one thing that happens in this movie the only note on anything uh cinematographical that i made uh when he has tracked down maybe's apartment and has spent the entire day stalking uh her apartment building and knocking on every door to ask if they know her and everyone says i don't know who that is yeah uh well, especially he goes I back mean, to like, his... especially it has the one where it's like I, the way like the lines in the English. <laughs> I don't think they actually like it. It feels like a Columba moment, like a shitty Columba yes, moment, yes. where she says like yes. her last name, and you're like, I didn't say the last name. Like, I don't know that yeah. the Italian dialogue actually worked that way, but the English subtitles work. I think way. it it's does. Like, it's like aha, we caught you. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, but he obviously knows he's there by the time he leaves the building, and uh, and he wanders the streets a little bit, but they. This the the shot in particular. He gets in his car, drives off of screen left. The camera's completely static, fades to night, and then he drives back on from frame right without yeah. a cut, without a visual cut. Obviously, there is a, a there's a a time jump there, so there's probably a cut in the film. But there is. Just it's just marrying a, two yeah, static images, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and of, of relatively the same <laughs> the same scene, so it's very hard right. to spot, right? Yeah, um, this is really neat. I I I I liked it enough to 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 make a note about it. Uh, <laughs> so like my 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 sort of thing about it is is that yeah, there are some visually interesting things in this movie. I'm not saying there's yeah. not, but like whatever sort of visually and artistic freedom that um oh, now I've forgotten his name already. He's made the million. Carlo De Palma. Yeah, De Palma like has has had in red desert somehow that's been reined in to a certain yeah. extent there's not as a because say what you will about red desert every scene looks like that in red desert right essentially like sometimes a lot of times for the most inane stupid conversations you ever heard in your entire life but every scene kind of looks like that and now it's like they're sprinkled in among the most mundane scenes you've ever seen in your entire lives yeah it's like this is a this is an italian apartment Here's another Italian apartment. What I, I would like to introduce <laughs> you to my Italian department or apartment, not department. Some de- the department stores, yeah. the actual. And I, I'm, I'm. It brings to mind like there's a in the Wikipedia. They, there's a comment from uh, a, a German critic, right, talking about uh, uh, Blumenberg, talking about like it is like looked as if it had been produced by Italy's consumer goods industry for sophisticated taste. Like, and like, <laughs> yes, yes. it seems like that's a positive review. Uh, it's hard to tell, but like my takeaway from it is like, yeah, a lot of times it looks like a catalog and, and it looks specifically like an eighties, seventies, eighties catalog where like the catalog itself needs to be visually exciting, but yeah. you're still just selling good like and so like the most exciting parts are the most consumery bits of it right like when they're like like visually like that 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 menswear store is fucking weird and visually interesting right like the some of the shop like the scenes where they're like interacting with shops and stuff are a little bit more interesting um but in reality 
that has more to do with the nature of consumer goods sales at the time than it does with like the film, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that like that quote's really interesting. Boutique shops are always kind of interesting, right? Like boutique shops have to be. That's yeah. what they, they they operate on it. And you, there's a fundamental need to make them visually exciting to get your to people through the door, right? Right. right. That quote's really interesting uh, in uh, relationship to the Criterion essay for this film, which is written by John Powers. And John Powers starts his essay with an extended quote from Don DeLillo's novel, The Names. That quote is, For a long time I stayed away from the Acropolis. It daunted me, that somber, uh, somber rock. I preferred to wander in the modern city, imperfect, blaring. The weight and moment of those worked stones promised to make the business of seeing them a complicated one. There are obligations to attached to such a visit. And that's obviously a first-person quote. I've never read the names. I like Don DeLillo. I loved White Noise. Uh, I'm familiar with Don DeLillo. But Powers is using that Don DeLillo quote to then start his essay and say, it's easy to feel something similar about the films of Michelangelo Antonioni to the way this narrator describes the Acropolis. But what I know about DeLillo... <laughs> This is, it's been a very long time since we sort of dissect an essay, and I don't, I only want to do it for this first paragraph. Okay, yeah. I don't want to get bogged say, down like, in that, doing that's, this. I'm fine with that. I just don't want to go through We We have a, there, that is reserved for a very special situation where the essay is written by the director. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't read names, but something that comes up a lot in, in Delos' work, in my understanding, is uh, consumerism. And to me, that quote about the Acropolis, the obligation of going to the Acropolis is consuming it on the terms that it exists in pop culture. It right. exists in, in modern culture. The Acropolis is a thing. It's a historic thing. It's a, right. uh, it's cursed with greatness in a way. Uh, <laughs> and that's how powers describes Antonioni um, as cursed with greatness. But he means, he means it as something you you need to interact with, but it can be daunting to interact with it. Whereas DeLillo's description of the Acropolis there reads to me, knowing more about DeLillo, uh, as someone who expects to have to have big thoughts about the Acropolis if he goes to the Acropolis. Right, right, yeah. Like, and, and the expectation that you will, right? Like, the, like you're, you're... Yeah. It's an, almost an obligation to do it, right? Right. Right, it's an obligation to. You're not visit allowed to go and thing. not not do that, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and in that regard, Powers is on point because that's how I feel about Antonioni films. Right. <laughs> that so many people tell me they're great. Yeah, and well, that so that was. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna do. A, I was like sitting in my head, like when I was like in the middle of the movie. I was like, I almost wrote this out, and I was like, ah, you know what? I don't need to. But it was like yeah. my, my thought process on this is like. Sometimes I feel like the cinema world is gaslighting me in the truest yeah. sense of the word gaslight, like the real sense right. of the word. I was like, do you guys think this is good? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Like, like, you're not fucking with me, right? Like, you guys wouldn't, right. like, all try to fuck with me, would you, all at the same time, right? No, yeah. you guys like, wouldn't do that to me, right? <laughs> like, it's it's really, important. Like, uncertainty. Yeah. The Acropolis is an important place that you have to go to in in the same way that we are told Antonio Oni films are important movies that we have to interact with. 
and and yeah, we've not we've. Well, here's you know, what I'm going to say: said, there, are, like, there are a couple that get close to me liking them, but well, okay, not so, but actually. Here's all, here, my argument: will be this, okay? And this is not a very strong argument, <laughs> but I can see a world where you say to yourself, "These movies are important." Isn't the same thing as these movies are good. La Aventura yeah. clearly influenced a lot of directors. Right. Doesn't make it good, and but it does make it influential. So it becomes important yeah. by nature of being influential, right? Uh, I could even see that with Red Desert. But now we're into like the late stages of a of a decaying artist, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not even making, I don't think, important works anymore. I don't think anybody's gonna like tell you, like, well, yeah, like my main influence was identification of a woman. 1982 yeah. or whatever. Like, no, they're not going to tell you that. This person is fundamentally, for lack of a better term, a has-been. Yeah. Like, it may not be true, like, in the mind of sort of cinema, like, cinema scene in general, but, like, this is a person who is not going to make another movie, because he's gonna also going to die, but, like, is not going to make another movie that is, that is important. Like... This is in here because my suspicion in my mind is that this is in here because Criterion was able to get it. And and Antonioni's other works are so important that you can kind of just put it in because he has a certain sort of cachet around him that makes him, like, marketable, right? Because, like, initial critical reactions to this film were mixed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a sort of weird thing that happens with, like, art criticism right where like a person's cachet can sometimes overwhelm the the actual critical response to a thing right like critics can come out and like initially see it and be like well this is not very good or this is fine right to somebody who's very critically like is historically very important and then like that can kind of get overwhelmed by a, a, a need to constantly reevaluate it to eventually elevate the work to a point that competes with its other with their other previous maybe actually important works, right? Uh, I don't even think this seems like it does. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't get the impression that this movie has ever been like heavily reevaluated. Yeah. To like, well, I think I don't think this is ever like I don't. It does not seem like even looking at the critical reception, like it's ever been yeah. like everybody's gone and said like, well, actually, it was very good, and people just didn't understand it at the time. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I. Powers essay tries to, uh, and and I ad- admire the fact that Powers is someone hired to write an essay for the Criterion Collection. Right? Can I write? I don't particularly like this movie. What? Yeah. Whatever else a Criterion release might lack, ninety nine point nine nine percent of them have an essay. Uh, right. Have something explaining its importance. Right. And 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 uh, I think may sometimes have, they that, may have they struggle for that, right? They, they sometimes right. it is that is a struggle yeah. because frankly, some movies are in the Criterion collection that don't have those particular merits that much <laughs> right, on, right, on right. their surface, right? Yeah. Um and good on you so, know, you do your job, you do what you gotta do, right? But like at the same time it's like, do you really think this is a good movie? Do you yeah. really? Powers Powers suggests that this is what he refers to as in Intominal movie, autumnal movie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, the As, uh, days oh, I think persons. that gets quoted in the yeah. It, it is quoted, quoted in the, the Wikipedia. In the Wikipedia yeah. yeah, and that's sort of where some of my ideas are coming from. Is the idea that like yeah, yeah, no, it does feel that way. But like 
a lot of times, like, directors essentially have two ways they can go out. Well, there's multiple, right. more than two. But there seems to be, like, there's the, like, I'm going to start, like, I got very little left to lose. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm going for broke. We've seen directors like that. Right. And then there's the ones who, like, sort of just fade. Who just sort of, like... To be- to be fair, some of the directors we've seen like that uh, have nothing left to lose, but are not actually old people yet. <laughs> this is also true, so, right? Right. Like, yeah. that, that's not, these are not necessarily elements of being old. Some of the more recent ones have been. I'm not old, yeah. but I'm on my way out. Uh, on the right. flip side, sometimes and, it goes the other direction. Fuck it, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm going for it, and then you get assassinated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's uh, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. That's like, that's the flip side of that. Is though, like, you know. though. To be fair. Uh, someone, someone like Pasolini still probably had a pretty good idea. This was the last movie he was ever going to be allowed. Yeah, to yeah, make. yeah, no, for, for sure. So, like, but that's what I'm saying is like, what, what one you know, way cause or another. and effect, right? Flip, like, yeah, yeah, like one way or the other. I'm, d- I'm done in this industry. This is over. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So, Powers compares it to uh, Rio Bravo with Howard Hawks, or to An Atominal Afternoon for Ozu. Yeah, but the difference is, is that Ozu is still movies. saying stuff. Even right, as he's in right. his waning days, yes. he's getting into yes. like he has he's acknowledging that what I'm making is talking about my nostalgia and my disconnect from the modern from like what is right. modern Japan. Like right. in a lot of ways. And like that's a that's saying something. It's it's a different view, but it is it is a person talking about their the world as they see it now and and their understanding of it. Right. That's not what this is. This is, for me at least, a lot of like author stand-in. Like, yeah. it's still nostalgic, yeah. but it's nostalgic in the like the negative way rather than the positive way. One right. can understand that concept, right? Like Ozu sometimes is negatively nostalgic too, in a, in a in a not always good way. Where maybe you see he's pining for days that have gone by, but Ozu also seems to under have a fundamental understanding. Like, look, that shit ain't coming back. Right, like right. whatever I'm pining for from when I was younger is gone, and it's gone forever. Right. Um, and, as, and as we've talked about, most of most of Ozu's pining is for a promised future that did not come. Right, that's also true. Than, it's a sort of, of a, a right. nostalgic future that like didn't exist. Yeah. What they were promised before the war, what they were promised after the war, about right. like what they they were what they were owed as people not not delivered. Right, right. And in many ways, kind of. You can understand that Ozu, if given a little bit more of a political bent, would probably might even be willing to like those concepts would lead into the idea of like, well, why is it like this rather than like what we thought it was going to be? But Ozu doesn't really get into that. But it does, as an audience member, encourage you to start thinking that way sometimes. Um, Right. This is it. Doesn't (laughs) Ozu's not that? Ozu obviously is someone who is never explicit in his politics necessarily certainly in his family dynamics and and his his nostalgia for uh well not (laughs) nostalgia not the right word for for ozu's family dynamics necessarily either but i think uh, ozu like but we've talked about this before ozu's nostalgic for like cohesive family identity right right? right. the idea that like a family is a family and he he does identify a sort of a thing that is often leads into sort of fascist rhetoric and stuff which is like the idea of like the dissolution of family archetypes but bear in mind he's pining for a version of family that's very different from what like your modern american fashion he's, he's pining for like yeah. aunts and uncles also live at home you know what i mean like right. like the whole family like this massive pre-war family unit pre that's like sprawling in many ways right like i don't know it's it's 
there are still problems with what Ozu pines for, but you know. But I think of like Tokyo Story, where where you know the family is so extensive as to uh, also fairly intimately include uh, dead son's fiance. <laughs> Uh, that's what but I mean. the entire yeah, story, yeah, right. But the entire story is about the older generation letting go of expectations of the younger generation, exactly. And, and, them I, to be their and own Ozu people. seems right. to contain within himself a sort of enough dynamism to say, like, look, like it doesn't matter what old people actually want the future to be, <laughs> right? Right. They're, you're not yeah. deciding it, right? Like, and so the, Ozu is a very interesting person, right? I, comparing this to o, like Ozu's later work is, I think borderline a crime yeah for which you might need to go to jail for like i if i'm being honest yeah now powers also uh, he he says that to say uh this is a uh uh this is an aging director allowing himself to quote be more relaxed and genial than his most finely tuned work uh and says Quote, far from serving up a major statement about the human condition, something Antonioni was never shy about doing, identification of a woman comes tinged with modesty and irony. Uh, I don't know that either. This is true. No, I mean, like... But sure. There's a way you could, like, if you're being a a very generous viewer, you could view Nicola... I can't pronounce his name. Nicolo? Nicolo? (laughs) Nicolo, yeah. I never pay attention to how people are actually saying the names when we're watching. <laughs> uh, Nicolo, like you could imagine that he is an ironic character. I could, you could, re- yeah. you could choose to read that this man, as he sort of like meanders through this world, is a has been who is who's whose existence yeah. is ironic. I don't and, know that and that's who, true. Uh, I don't know that I would who read is, it that way. Yeah, someone who is incapable of relating to woman uh, women in a post-women's lib society. Uh, well, but we run know, into the same problem that we ran into with other movies that, like, like especially movies made by Italian directors, but I think we ran into it with French directors, who, like, yeah. in some ways, like, it's like, I, I, it calls to mind, it's, it's more of an archetype you see in, like, some films than in real life, I think. It's like, where you see that, like, shitty dude who's like, yeah, I love women's lib. Like, no like no strings attached, yeah. sexual relationships or whatever. I feel like we had a right, movie right, like right. that not that long ago um, where the main character was, like, kind of talking that way. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't feel like an, a person who, it doesn't feel like irony. And it doesn't feel like it's a, like, an evaluation of, like, this man's ability to relate in, you know, in a liberated world. It's more just like, he seems like a shithead. Like, yeah. he's just a piece of shit. And, yeah. like, I you can make say, a movie, a good movie about a piece of shit. This also just isn't a good movie. Yeah. One thing that does set him apart from maybe other iterations of that sort of character we've seen is that at the end of the movie, he has sort of let them both go. Uh, right. Certainly for 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 not great reasons in the case of Ida. But, uh, but you Well, know, right, but, like, whatever. let them go sort of, like, but that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, but like they just don't want anything to do with him basically by the time it's right. done because he's a piece right. of shit. And like the thing about it is is that like it he maybe at the end is sort of coming to grips with the idea that like, oh right, they don't want to be around me because I'm a piece of shit. But I don't know that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He wants he wants a muse. 
Right, he doesn't want a person. Neither. He describes wanting a muse. And again, I don't know that Antonioni understands that that is a negative impulse. Yeah, I think he might, but but I'm willing. That's what I'm saying. I'm not not willing to die on that hill, certainly. Right, yeah, exactly, Uh, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, he does end with a... uh, with a new movie idea that does not have the curves of a woman, as he says, his his film, his vague, vague idea of what his next film would be. Um, and it's instead a sort of science fiction-y thing. And this coming out in 1982, maybe that's Antonioni recognizing that the future of popular film. I mean, not that Antonioni seems ever interested in making popular film, but but we are in a post-Star Wars world, so... Right, right, a right. post two thousand one world, uh, so his vague sci fi ideas maybe something. I I will admit when when around the middle of the movie, uh, Niccolo opens the newspaper and reads about scientists worried the sun's going to explode someday. Uh, yeah. A part of me knew it would never happen, but really hoped that this movie was about to take a hard sci fi turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we were like, <laughs> like, wait. We're not in our universe. We're in a universe where, like, this is going to happen soon-ish. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, it seems like it's more like, and it doesn't even get into the idea of, like, talking about the, like, it doesn't even engage with, like, the idea that, like, oh, like, we always print these, like, newspaper articles about, like, far-flung problems that, like, like, the sun's going to explode in multiple billions of years is a, is a, is the sort of thing that a newspaper takes away from a scientific, like, uh, yeah, like, you know, symposium or something. Yeah. yeah, That like, is like not the main, like, is not a relevant, like point to consider, but like, it's like, well, we've got something sensational has to come out of this. It's not even that. It's just like, seems to be his, like his inspiration for the movie he's going to make, which is maybe just sunshine. Uh, I mean, admittedly, if it had, if it had done that and done a hard pivot, uh, it would have just been Lars von Trier's Melancholia. So right, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, how to relate to people in the impending death of the earth. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's like he, and even then we get into this thing where like, rather than make a, sci- a weird out of nowhere science fiction film as this sort of like, um, I forget the French word that they use for like, that gets used for, um, like final hurrah you know what i mean you're sort of like yeah you know what i'm talking I, about like i the, can't think of the term either but yeah there's a phrase about, but yeah. you know like but the idea that like his like one big last like hurrah is being like fuck yeah. it i'm making like the weirdest fucking science fiction movie anybody will ever see fuck it like rather than making yeah. that he has his stand-in director maybe make it someday yeah. it's like this is stupid this is like you could have just made that movie and instead you're sort of like what's the boy version of mary sue <laughs> marty forget, marty stew i think is yeah, what it marty usually gets. like is gonna do it maybe in the future it's like well that's meaningless you didn't even like you just this is all meaningless this is i i'm i'm overwhelmed by the by the irrelevance of this film basically is what i'm saying it is overwhelmed by my senses it's like who like do I, like why do I why do you what, like do I need to care about this is this important? Ugh. 
and like I was like, okay, I'm gonna like sometimes I get really negative thoughts about movies before we get in, and I have to like school myself and be like, no, you're gonna try to be open minded and like honest about the film you're gonna watch. You're not yeah. gonna like prejudge yeah. it because you hate this. You've you've had no good experiences with director. You're going to be a fair. You're going to try to be. Now, mind you, I understand that I have biases and, and I, that, that right. those are going to be ever present. But, like, I'm going to do my level best to be honest about it and fair. Yeah. And then, like, man alive, I swear. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, movie, give me something. Like, like these sort of extended sex scenes with, like, women who are minimum even even though our director character here is not as old as Antonioni he's still minimum 25 years older than all of them right like it's it, it, his le- aging down of his stand in doesn't even yeah. st- it's still like intensely different like in terms of like it it's is just, all about like this director's gaze and like what this director wants in his world right yeah i i just keep coming back so much of so much of those scenes just feel like a parody of even maybe a direct parody of something like in the realm of the senses. Yeah. Not just the music, but, but the fact that everyone in this movie kisses like their middle schoolers from wet, hot American summer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like just, well, the fully open mouths shoving together. Well, but like also like, especially the more graphic sex scenes feel parodical in like the sense that like they feel like something you watch on Cinemax at like, they would like come on yeah. Cinemax at like two o'clock in the right. morning. It's like, yeah, it's just softcore pornography and like with nothing like going for them. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I do not subscribe to the notion that like sex scenes can't exist for the purposes of sort of just being sex scenes. Like you can just yeah. convey the human condition in a lot of ways and stuff. They're important. They shouldn't be cut out of films just because they don't advance the plot. Yeah. But I do need them and to I... feel like they fit in the movie. These feel like yeah. they came out of a different movie. We're we're five seconds I away do... from bouch wow wow. Like as it's like yeah. <laughs> like like what's happening? Why are we doing this? Yeah, the the music absolutely does not help. I do think that particularly with as a as a maybe Ida uh, dichotomy there is characterization in the sex scenes maybe is more sexually adventurous uh, she looks at herself in the mirror as right. she orgasms uh, whereas Ida is more uh, traditional uh, so to speak well uh, and we get we just get less of Ida like well, but, and then, but, some but of that we also, also get less co- of Ida yes. that some of that comes down to just like well which one of these is the actual main female lead character of this film Right, right, right. Which one right. of these is the one he pines after, and which one is just sort of the woman that he's with at the time? And like, and no, I I agree. There's some characterization in there, but like, they are so off-putting in their nature, yeah. and like, and yeah. kind of so extensive that you're like, you kind of get to the point where like you would get with any scene that like goes on too long, where you're like, well, I get the point. Like, can you let's right, move this right, along right. here? The we ones... got you. This is a two an hour and ten minute long movie. I'm starting to think maybe. You misunderstood like pacing here, and we don't need to spend twenty minutes on this sex scene. It's not actually twenty minutes; like the, it's like five minutes, but it feels it, kind of interminable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the time we're through the second one with Ida, it's uh, it's a little tiresome. Right? Yeah. Like, like, well, and even like we we get reiterations of their 
of their qu- their per- air quotes personality through the sex scenes, right? Because yeah. you know you get multiple with Mavi, you get multiple with Ida. You're like, it's like, okay. At some point, you need to admit you're just horny, Antonio. Okay, <laughs> like you need to come yeah. to grips with the fact that at some point you're like, I want to see more nakedness. Um, yeah, and they they are very soft core in their nature, right? Like they're very like, right. well, we're not going to show this, we're not going to show that, but we are going to like imply things, and it's like, and I guess maybe mentally, I have a very strong association for what exactly like that sort of styling in. Yeah, sex scenes represents, and it's mostly like Cinemax at two o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah, it's, it's I think it's, it's it's, and you combine it with the movie music, it's making it worse as we talked about. But like just this sort of like, I don't know, it always comes off as cheap to me. Like that will yeah. never not read in my mind as cheap, and that's maybe mostly on me because of the associations I've formed. But like those associations existed at the time when he sat down to make this. Like right. softcore porn is its own gross sort of like, uh, this isn't even like what is this sort of environment right, by, 19, right. by like the nineteen eighties. Like he's actually drawing influence. Yeah. Like Yeah, like it's like he watched something like he's actually like, drawing influence from Euro Euro trash porn of the Yeah, basically. Of the late yeah, 70s. exactly. Like he's like right? well, this is aesthetically interesting. And it's like okay. I'm willing yeah. to buy into your but, argument. Well, I'm I'm willing to like the idea of appropriating the sort of aesthetics of pornography to accomplish some sort of artistic goal is it it's been done it's interesting it can be interesting yeah. it's like okay you're going to play around with like the ideas that this conveys to your audience and then fuck with their expectations and things like that the problem is he's not doing that he's just appropriated the aesthetics right. of it seemingly for the purposes that it exists in those films for too which is like well i need a sexy scene yeah like like not not to accomplish any sort of aesthetic goal, just like yeah, I want. I now is time for sexy scene. And right. when you combine like, that with sort of how disjointed the the flow of the movie is, you just hard cut into sex scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's really oh weird. yeah no like the cut the like editing the, of this film is fucking wild. Like the first time, the first time maybe is naked on camera, or is naked in the movie. I mean, it's not, I suppose, not technically a sex scene, uh, but uh, we go from uh, him being a creep on the phone with her uh, as she's trying to get a hold of her gynecologist. gynecologist. It's so fucking, uh, <laughs> there's a reason why that was the thing I actually ended up posting on Blue Sky. I was like, yeah. this is fucking creepy, man. Yeah. Yeah. This cut makes to, me go Cut to them Ick. meeting. Cut to them meeting. Cut to them uh, having sex um, and like well and like and it conveys an idea and like again maybe it's maybe it's self-commentary maybe it's not hard to say but it comes off as this is Antonioni's idea of the way that like male female relationship like actually operates like you have creepy phone conversation sex it's like there's no yeah. relationship building there's no and in reality we don't really in my mind build relationships in this movie what we do is we build elements of his personality right like you right. know what i mean we don't yeah those it's not i won't say that they're we i would go as far as to say that they are not real people i mean they do have personalities and stuff but they're all like they all functionally exist to convey elements of his personality and like who this director is there's 
and, that, and as such, we don't build relationships. Like we don't see their relationship. Right. We see elements of his personality. We see him lash out in his anger. We see him yeah. like his his needs, his his desires, his 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 longings and stuff like that. We don't really engage with the idea that like they have those things too very much. That like they also have needs and desires and things like that. Uh the closest we get is sort of with Mavi like coming what we kind of get down to is her sort of final place in the story, which is like not with him. But even then that's sort right. of an expression of him, right? It's sort of a it's a it's a contrasting to him rather than a, a, its own separate thing. Yeah, well, with Mavi, we also have the uh, implication that she's bisexual, right? Uh, and, well, I mean, yeah, basically more yeah. than I mean, like we basically get that yeah. that is acknowledged by the film. That is a thing, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's not implication; it's it's confirmation. Um. So. On the one hand, uh, we have seen movies in the Criterion Collection, Chasing Amy, uh, where where the movie seems to be making a serious argument that uh, uh, a lesbian can become a bisexual uh, t- with with a good dicking. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we see is... that. Like, I was I was watching Seinfeld the other day, and it, and then you get the opposite <laughs> version with like uh, George like turning women into lesbians. Which yeah. is like, which is um, its own problem, right? Is 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 it is a is a right, problematic right, right, perspective right. on on sexuality. So, so in that regard, uh, Antonioni is uh, perhaps praiseworthy in that she uh, maybe does not define herself by her relationship to uh, to this guy. Uh, really just wants to get away from this guy and uh right right yeah like i mean next, he's, he's a creep, and her next right? relationship like, yeah she says she's not all she she likes men particularly in spring uh but uh but does not always like men and she yeah i mean and, and that's season of not liking like a, men a joke yeah. right like it's mostly like right oh, right, you know, right right it, she's just messing yeah. around right and the idea being that like i like well, who i like when there's I like also them, right it's sort of the sort of implication there right there's also, a, and I made a note of this because it's so weird. Uh, before we know who she is, w- the first thing we see Mavi do is walk across the room and sort of finger a conch shell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like, and and like even before she reached up to it, the camera goes to. It, I thought, is that meant to be a vagina? And oh, she yeah, sticks her hand sure. in it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, of course. <laughs> But like the movie also has this sort of the movie does have a like a a strange visual perspective on like we linger on the ass of the girl at the pool for a yes. very long time. Yes. Yes. Like like in film terms an extremely long time. It's like yes. you're like, oh, it's not gonna cut away. We're just gonna stay here. We're gonna have a whole Hilariously conversation long time. with her ass. Yep. And it's like I don't know what 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 are we doing here? Like are we what are what are we trying to accomplish at this point? Yeah. I mean, other than the most obvious answer which is to be horny, which is yes. seemingly what a, a huge amount of motivation of this film is, right? Like older gentleman right. seeks method by which to express his horniness uh in film. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was just sort of like taking a like. But it still seems to have a sort of cartoonish understanding of like bisexuality, even in and of yeah. itself, right? It's like Certainly. it's sort of a, um, it's not quite, it's not quite Seinfeld or uh, or you yeah, know, but uh, it's it's a or, it's a character allowed to be bisexual in the narrative, and that's right. surprising and not, and not being treated as as Italian. Yes, film. I right. would agree, and not being treated <laughs> as like, oh, he made her bisexual or something weird like that. Like just right. being like, right. well. Yeah. And so I, I, I would agree that in that perspective, it is, it is better though, than I would ever imagine it could be. Though the young woman he talks to who confirms that Mavi uh, has slept with women uh, says so says that they did so out of spite. Uh, That's true, and I did take, I did take, so, I did find that somewhat yeah. like, wow, are we going to do this? Are we going to have that that yeah. sentence in here? Um, <laughs> right, right. And I was like, yes, we are apparently, but like. I, I seemingly beyond her statement, which might to a certain extent be kind of understood as being um I don't know what I'm trying she to express is, here. Like she's sort of being ironic in and of herself, like she doesn't really want to talk to this guy. She seems right. to be the only person who identifies this as being creepy. And then yes, tries to sort of right. weird him out about by having like way too explicit conversations with him. Yeah. It it doesn't have the effect yeah, seemingly a, she wants. Right. Right, but definitely as a means of scaring him off. Right, like you, like absolutely like, my read of that scene too. Me too, a hundred percent. I was like, oh, she's this guy's real creepy. She identifies yeah. this person as being pretty fucking creepy and not somebody she wants to talk to. How can I make him go away? She, her, yeah. her, ultimately, her, her um, strategy fails because he's a creep. Uh, but yeah. nonetheless. And then she eventually just yeah. adopts the "I'm just going to walk away from this person," <laughs> like, right? I'm not going to talk to you anymore, uh, kind of method. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of um, it's just interesting that like you're right in that in the sense that like it does seem to be more not progressive, but but more like fair in that stuff than than yeah. you would expect. But it's still I, I can't ever kind of get over how much it's just about him. Yeah. It's just the movie is so much just about him and he's so not compelling as a character. Like he doesn't really grow. His and these things aren't necessary per se, but like it's kind of comes off as just like, well, here's a what if we made a, a movie about a boring dude who kind of <laughs> expects to like be able to have sex with women he creeps out on the phone and then like and seemingly is rewarded with it because it's a fantasy story on the part of the character the, on the part of the person who actually made wrote the story right yeah because it's worth noting that like Antonioni also wrote the story in the screenplay it, it one cannot get past the idea that like this has to be an author stand-in it just has to be because he wrote he did all of the creative parts of the production in that way yeah it's like cool oh yeah yeah. i mean it's really a view if it's not an author stand-in it's at least a view into his understanding of the work right right yeah at the very and you know maybe one one could probably make a make an argument that in that way this is sort of 
uh, Antonioni proving he's more self-aware than Fellini by by making making his director stand in actually a creep, uh, an unredeemable creep. Right, and like, but, and uh, about, like, but I'm not convinced. Really... Yeah, I'm not convinced that that's what Antonioni is right, exactly. doing. Right, exactly. And 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 yeah. like where the, and then like so you know the the sort of knife's edge of of sort of the concept of death of the author or anything like that kind of goes both ways, right? Like we. With Red Desert, right, we, we talked earlier about the fact that, like, well, Red Desert's politics and ideas are inescapable, right? Like, he's so yeah. clear with what he's trying to say. There is no world where you could really read it differently, right? Like, you're you're stuck with the interpretation that he presents because he just makes it inescapable, right? This one's not that way, really. It doesn't have that, that clarity, and so mm-hmm. you kind of end up in a world where you're like, well, one could see it going the other direction, but like in, in many ways that fails him, right? Because he doesn't have that clarity to say to you, well, this is this is actually about how I really feel like I've, I've been, a, maybe I've not been the best person in the world yeah. in my whole life. I freely admit that with Le Cris, La Ventura, uh, other Antonioni films we've seen, I just didn't get them. Uh, and I'm okay with not getting them. Uh, one thing that makes me feel like maybe I'm not getting this one, even years and years after my first exposure to Antonioni, uh, in any other movie, a rented house that's double booked and is literally sinking into Ro- Roman ruins uh-huh. would be too powerful a symbol in like in like a Pasolini movie like right. like like what what that building itself says about the current state of Italy could could be used all over uh and it's just established as a set piece here and i don't see i don't see what what it means if it means anything but like but also like that's the thing right is that like the movie feels like here's the thing we know from Red Desert that <laughs> the Antonioni when he wants to be like clear metaphorically it's a thing he'll do. Yeah. Like we talked about Law of Ventura being about like ennui and other things like that. Like I don't remember Law of Ventura very well, but at the time right. I pretty much understood I felt like I understood what was going on and I just yeah. wasn't impressed. Um you know what I mean? It's like, well, I I get what we have here. I just don't give a shit because it's not like it doesn't align with my understanding of the world in any really meaningful capacity. Yeah. Um. And like Red Desert, we did understand it and it didn't align, but like it was even more clear. Right here. It's sort yeah. of like, well, but, this is sort of just like I I don't think any of these things are really metaphors. It might be. Yeah. It might be a broadly speaking like, well, this is a world that's falling apart. Like I could see that yeah. like. Like because they, he talks about like, like there's like these weird hints at politics throughout the movie. Like, well, who's fleeing the country now? What's well, the rich? Right. Right. Yeah. And like this idea that like they're fleeing, like this, like from a sinking ship. Right. Like there is a sort right. of notion that like this is a world in decay, and this is just one decaying man's experience in a world of decay. 
right. Which is why is the that... sun should literally be exploding in the movie, Pat. Right. But no. anyway, well, go and on. if we're not going to go literal, but like we're going to go, okay, fine. <laughs> but like the flip side of that is, is that like, okay, well, like, this is a man who is decaying, living in a decaying world. Fine. But then you have to like make that mean something or do something with it. Right. And it's just not like there's just nothing there, though. You know what I mean? It's still just sort of like it's just like there. Like, you know what I mean? It's like and like, yeah, maybe that's the point is that like there's a sort of ennui to it. But like then it just sort of comes off as the old man's kind of. Well, I'm falling apart and the world's falling apart. That's just yeah. what, how it is. Kind of, It doesn't like. It doesn't feel like it's saying anything as much as it feels like it is just putting out a sort of like feeling, like talking about a feeling that he has, right? And in that way, it just becomes about Antonioni and how he feels about the world he lives in, a world that he's disconnected from, doesn't really understand anymore, is not really all necessarily that relevant to him anymore. Yeah. And like... But it's not doesn't feel like it's a meditation on him. Like the problem is, I think for me is that it doesn't feel meditative in any capacity. It feels like some of those metaphors are there. Wow, you know, isn't this world just sort of falling apart? Isn't this terrible? And I'm I'm on my way out. I've got nothing left to give. Well, that's the end of the movie, folks. I'll catch you next time. Well, I won't because I won't make any more movies. Um, well, he does make one. I, more, I, I know. Guess. Yeah, I mean, I basically, Antonioni's yeah. on the way out, right? Like this right. is this is the right. end, basically. Yeah, he makes and one it's, movie. It's over a decade. Yeah, and then bear in mind that like it's interesting because like we were talking about like not to totally change topics, but I've I'm always found fascinated by the way the world sort of works because like De Palma makes about a million movies as a cinematographer. And in many ways, yeah. arguably, he's the reason why Red Desert is has anything interesting in it at all, right? I suspect in my mind that a lot of people key into Red Desert because of the visuals, not because of what the movie's actually about, okay? Yeah. The visuals are stark, and and and, 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 and they're like, if you look at any still from that movie, your mind's going to go, whoa, that's really interesting looking. Um, and that's, that's, on, that's on De Palma. That's not on Antonioni, right? Um, it, it is... Like, and then you look at, you know, Antonioni only makes like, what, like, was that, like 20 movies at most? Yeah. Yeah. 16 movies total. Like, it, and a bunch of short films, right? So, so we can't discount the short, but some, and some short films. And some like TV stuff, long, but yeah. 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 It's just, it's sort of like, oh, like, I get into this thing where, like, maybe there's just nothing there. Maybe there's no there there. Maybe like and you and like that's like maybe it's not fair. Maybe it is like I don't know. Like certainly, I think his perspectives on like I think maybe you can get into like this being maybe an idea about like oh right like the nature of relationships are completely different than I thought they were when I made like La Aventura or something like that. Um, now, but uh, I don't know. I. It, I mean, I yeah. think there's probably a reason why this movie has a critical rating of 60 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like just among critics, it is it was not a popular movie. 
right, right, right. Like you this already movie, quoted the, the guy from the New York Times who completely eviscerated this film. Yeah, it's just uh, like... Or no, no, you quoted the German. I but, quoted uh, the but German. But also yeah, the guy, yeah, yeah. The, New, the New York Times also eviscerated this film. Yeah, um, it, it, uh, filming excruciatingly empty work, beautiful and sad, virtually a parody of the director's great love and in some of his earlier films. And I agree, except for the part... I do agree that it might be a parody in many ways of La Aventura, but I think the problem is is that I don't think there was a there there then either. I think yeah. it's just one of those things that happens where like the aesthetics of a thing catch people up and they're like, this is aesthetically and like La Aventura too is the aesthetically interesting movie. Um, it's just there's no there's nothing like. I find the the, the 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 sort of philosophical underpinnings of it just meaningless, yeah. essentially. Um, it, it comes from an era of, like, I feel like there's a certain sort of, like, if you made a thing that was aesthetically a certain way at a certain time, it almost didn't matter if, like, the film was saying anything of value. Yeah. And I think that's always been true, right? Because I think, to a certain extent, like, let's take a hard right turn into, like, the thing we love to talk about on this uh, podcast, which is, I think, in a sort of a place where art is fundamentally a function of capital, the aesthetics and and, and we get into you know because you talk about, for example, fascism being sort of an aestheticization of, of of politics and stuff like that, but like it's also true that like in capital, many times the aesthetics of art are more fundamentally more important than like than the actual like content of the art, right? And in many ways, yeah. right, you you see some, you know, you see people you do see artists rebelling against that concept right but i would say that like sometimes like movies just hit because they like they they touch the right the right aesthetic points at the right time key into that and they just trigger something that like almost the the actual content becomes irrelevant right um and, and i think Maybe, like, we didn't like La Ventura. I'm willing to, in my mind, tell myself, like, uh, you know, maybe there never was a there there. And it, yeah. And so now we're, like, when you go to recreate that 30 years later, 20 years later, there's still, it becomes more clear that the there was never there. That there was, it was always yeah. hollow, it was always empty, and there's just nothing but, like, the redoing, the rehashing of it makes that more clear because you're getting, you're reifying that, those things to the point where like, oh, like now everybody can see that there's nothing there. Whereas it was obscured before and now it's not. Um, it's kind of my, my thought maybe on that is like, La Aventura to a certain extent maybe gets a pass because it exists for all the people who watch it now, it exists out of time, right? It's no longer in its place in its time. It's in it's in now. And the 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 things that those that are fundamental to that story when presented in the now feel strange and hollow. Yeah, we've not seen any of his any of his work between Red Desert and this, right? <laughs> Sorry, the San Francisco saw, Chronicle. Sorry, I'm sorry. I've been reading. I'm on the Rotten Tomatoes thing just because I, I, it's, yeah. I, I, I wanted to know. San Francisco Chronicle. There's a very good reason this this moody atmospheric effort was never released in the United States until now. It isn't very good. <laughs> it's like bull <laughs> quote. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Well, most of them are yeah. reviewing the, the the like the 2000s when it finally came out to English audiences, right? 
the Criterion right. Collection, my understanding, it seems like, is the Criterion release is the the English release of this movie. Yeah, that's possible. It didn't seem. It does not seem uh, like it I made mean, it out the it, door prior to that. It won an award at Con when it came out, but other than that, uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like it had a like. Is it uh, the New York Times hated it? And other than that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, the music is done done by the guy from Ultravox. How very weird. John Fox. I mean, here's oh, the thing. What the a... music is like is at sometimes really engaging. Like it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's in con- in communication with the film, if that makes sense. Right. Like I yeah, do I like the music at like quite a bit at times. I'm like, wow, this is like what's going on here is really interesting. And then yeah. it's like, oh, this just doesn't match what we're watching on the screen, though. Right, right. It's less interesting as a soundtrack to a sex scene. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we haven't seen any of Antonioni's 70s work, right? No. So I don't know if he continues, if this is a return to form of La Ventura or something like that. Um, but there's there's a lot of ways where just like the story itself here Seems like it's a decade and a half too late. Right. This is yes, like eight at and least. Eight and a half. Say. Eight and a half was the mid-60s. Uh, something like uh, uh, Michael Powell's uh, Peeping Tom, I kept thinking about in this movie. Because that's a movie where uh, the main character's uh, stalker obsession with beauty is actually played for evil in, right. the, in the way that this should be. Right? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And a filmmaker of a sort as well, right? Because uh, he's recording all of his Beeping Tom activities. The Godard stuff and the, the other French New Wave stuff that's more explicitly about filmmakers or coming to terms with the modern relationship of men and women is also from the 60s. Uh, right, yeah, know, that's very true, certainly... right? It, it feels, you're right, it's sort of an artistic uh, work out of time. Well, I mean, there certainly are yeah. films about talking about these issues right. in the 80s in the 70s and 80s but they're now right. talking about them with those previous works as context right as right as like well this part of the conversation's already been had so yes. now we're on feminism this has, part of the conversation right. right feminism has marched on through the 70s and 80s certainly since since the 60s things are different uh and i do think the women in this film represent the different world uh, the current world of of uh, of women uh, to 1982, right? When this I film mean, comes out, yeah. Uh, you know, none of them feel out of place necessarily. No, no, it doesn't but, feel like we're getting necessarily like old fashioned views yeah. on them. Like right. it's not like he, it's not like he dreamed up a person who doesn't exist or something like that. Right, right. But Nick definitely feels out of place, and Nick's relationship to his art feels out of place now now the uh the director using his position to get a a female lead who is also his muse and also his sexual partner uh is certainly a timeless uh right yes some things never go out of timeless activity yeah but but yeah his he is meant to be going through a divorce 
or have having recently gone through a divorce. Uh, is this just divorce middle aged guy energy? Like he I doesn't think, know I, to how to relate extent, to modern people. Right? Like it, it's discussing. It is if it's discussing it's, anything. It's discussing the idea that like, oh, like we are we are. But I don't think I don't know how aware of it is of it is of itself. But the it is seems to be engaged with like divorce middle aged man. Yeah. Like, but like, what if divorce? But like a lot of these sort of. What is it? What was it again? Um, Mar- what is it? what was Mary Sue for men? I I always forget <laughs> Marty, Marty, Marty Stu. Stu. Like yeah. it has a feel of like, but what if divorced middle aged energy was sexy? Like what if women were intrigued by creepy dude who asks you what you look like on the phone when you call your gynecologist rather than immediately yeah. a, like freaked out and hang up the phone? Right. Like she carries on a conversation with him as though that wouldn't elicit immediate hang-up response right like oh i got the wrong number i got a creepy dude rather than my gynecologist you know what i mean like what so like it's this thing where it's like oh like it it is classic to these kinds of like sort of like storytelling like active actions that like these kinds of like men who are trying to like work through these things sort of think about which is like well why aren't women attracted to my weird middle-aged divorce man energy yeah you know what i mean like or like you know like we've seen it we see it all around us all the time right a lot of very resentful dudes who are resentful about the fact that like women are not attracted to divorce middle-aged man energy and like partially because like it's not that like middle-aged men cannot be attractive it's it's the creepiness of it all right it's the like the sort of sense of entitlement and creepiness and i think that that sense of entitlement is is expressed in this movie and i don't know if it's expressed self aware uh, self-awarely yes. yeah i was trying to like how do i turn this into a into an adjective um or an ever but like it's um yeah it just it's i i don't know it's hard to read which side he's coming down on that like, is he aware that, like, this is not how anybody responds to this kind of person? Yeah. And it doesn't really dig into the fact that, the that like, in many ways, that uh, kind of, like, the, one of the ways you could dig into it is the idea, like, well, like, the only way I can get them to show interest in me is using my power as a director as a tool to, like, f- sort of inappropriately force sexual relationships like are not really consensual right like one one could if we're being very self-aware if he's being very self-aware this could be a discussion of like oh the only reason i'm ever able to get any of these women to pay attention to me is because i forced them to uh yeah with my power position or something like that maybe he's never interested in the acting side of things no no he may want her to want to make her do that but she is ultimately just a bored rich girl Right, and a right, bored yeah. rich girl might might spend some time pursuing this, and then when it's played its course, or he's done something that scares her, as as the movie shows us doing, right, she decides to cut all contact because she can. Uh, yeah, it's, it's within yeah whereas, it's something she can do right now. Yeah, whereas Ida is the actress, uh, and you know her pursuit of finding Maeve on Niccolo's behalf is 
maybe because she's a uh, empathic person who wants to help him get closure. She certainly is an empathic person from what other things we see in the movie. Uh, and she is also uh, blindsided by the fact that he would not want to be with her if she is pregnant, possibly with someone else's child. I mean, that does come uh, at the very end, right? That's the last, that's right. the last sort of like the straw, the sort of last straw of yeah. like his sort of like ultimate expression of his like, like sad, divorced, middle-aged man energy right. is like, well, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to do this. This isn't yeah. that kind and of it, relationship. It does seem like, uh, just based off the dates of his relationships with women, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, it does seem like he's uh, far enough away from those experiences that if he ever had them, he had them in a different time. That this would not be autobiographical. No, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's what like yeah. this is going for. My my, it may be in a sort of like a um, in a grand sense of like again transposing things from the past into the present uh like i mean to be fair antonioni like does get remarried in 1986 but like she's not that much yeah. younger than him you know what i mean like they're she is younger than him well actually she's a lot younger than him sorry i misread the she date. is a sorry. lot younger yeah, than sorry. him in fact she's, i misread the she's date. in her 30s yeah. but yeah. um but like I don't get necessarily the exp- the um, the impression that like it's that where that like it's that kind of thing exactly. It's just sort of like more like yeah. him expressing like his overall perspective on like relationships in the eighties or something like that. To right, a certain right, extent, right, right. And like in many ways, probably coming at it with an eye that like no longer. It's like me trying to explain like what gen z relationships are like now like i don't really know like why am i why am i trying to do this thing that is not really like you know what i mean like a thing i have any real knowledge about and i think maybe to a certain extent that's part of the problem here is that like you're not in it anymore in that way so you're just like writing things you don't know or you don't have any real concepts of that being said again yeah, he that could be married to to a woman in her 30s when he is 74 years 74 years old um right. after having had a long relationship with another actress but like, long right. 10 years like it does seem like Antonioni just sort of keeps up with your standard italian director energy well up to nearly his death um, yeah or at least his his final <sighs> film right at least until he's done making movies because this last movie is 1995 like he's Essentially, yeah. no longer in the movie industry after 1995. Right. He does. He does short films after that through through the 2000s uh, until he dies in 2007. But right. But and yeah. b- beyond the clouds is with Wim Wenders, like as a writer. And right. So who knows what that that is? Right. Like that could be a wildly different thing. It's <laughs> also a I mean? movie about a film <laughs> director. It's also a movie right. about a film director. Right, but, but I have to imagine Wim yeah. Wenders being involved will take things in a very different direction than maybe Antonioni <laughs> One would hope. Would normally but do. Yes. But just based on my experience with Wim Wenders, right? Like um but like and more seems like maybe it like my my immediate like reaction to it is like 
maybe this is more about Wim Wenders wanting to direct with Antonioni than the other way around. Um, yeah. But, like, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, it's sort of just, like, it feels... I, I kind of go along with sort of, like, the Times perspective on this. It just feels like it's out of time. And it's, like, just... It results in a thing that doesn't feel real. Yeah. I mean, it's not like like you said, like the women are in the film are not like portrayed in some particularly like archaic way or anything like that. And and maybe in that sense, like maybe it is a positive in the sense that like Antonioni is expressing through Niccolo the idea that like, oh, I don't understand modern relationships. I don't get what any of this is. I'm not fit for it anymore. I don't I don't fit in this world anymore. But the problem is, is that like I don't know that that's what Niccolo takes away from this, right? Um, yeah, so. he makes actively bad choices throughout, right? <laughs> so, and like, and, and like, seemingly doesn't like fully, never seemingly grasps why nobody wants to be around him. Yeah. <laughs> when I think it's all said. And I done. think there is something. There is also something to be said that the the entire fog scene. He gets lost. He loses her. She's still in the car, and the car has not moved. Well, I mean, uh, she gets out of the again, car, right? but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, yes, you're right. She's back in the car, and the car has not moved. But I, I, I take yeah. your point. Like, your point is 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 reasonable in the sense that he's wandering around, and there's also this sort of reference, this sort of like, I, I, I think the closest thing that sometimes this movie might get to to proper commentary on him is like he encounters that couple in the car. And they talk about some some sort of like pretty intense like like hooligans and which I think in in some ways yes. is Antonioni trying to talk about like kids these days and like the rampant gangs and stuff right like I think there's probably a very reactionary uh, thing in there as well because bear in yeah, mind but... that, like mm, I mean bear in mind Antonioni is like has some historic. Associations with the fascist if, movement, uh, but like, yeah, so do a lot of the yeah, but directors. But if those, if that couple is meant to be on the level, it is also Niccolo as a character being so deep in this fog that he doesn't even recognize the social things going on around him on a political level. Right, right. Like he and they, they like make direct reference to like what, like, did you? Are you deaf? Like, did you not hear yeah. any of? The, they they do talk like, about that. Um, they say that directly. Like he to tells, him. he tells. I can't remember if he's talking to maybe or Ida at that point. But he he he's got that big board, considering a look for the actress for his next movie before he's even written the movie. But but one of the pictures he has is of two convicted terrorists, right? Uh, who he's only interacting with, like he knows their story, but he only interacts with them as perspective aesthetically. faces. Aesthetically. 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 Right. Yeah. And yeah. like, but again, like, and, and I think that might be the closest thing this movie has to like really honest to God, like commentary on Niccolo is, is the idea that like, if you do take into the consideration that the, the terrorist is being obviously there to like point things out, right about his behavior yeah. and say like that's the closest thing we get to true honest like identification that this is commentary on Niccolo is that like 
all he cares about is the aesthetics. It's like he has no interest in anything that exists outside of the aesthetics. Um, and like that, I could see that 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 could be an argument for like saying like that that this is actual commentary on himself, is that he is too obsessed with the aesthetics that he misses everything else about it. Uh, but like, I don't think we get that as a takeaway by the time we get to the end of the movie. Yeah. Not, not really. You know, I mean, I don't get the impression that like, it's a condemnation of himself and his obsession with like aesthetics. Right. Um, but maybe that's, maybe I'm not being fair. Maybe I'm saying to myself, well, that, that, that's not good enough. Despite the evidence that exists in the film that says like, that is what this is about. Yeah. Um, if if all Antonioni that we've ever seen is about the insurmountable gulf between people in the modern world, particularly between lovers, uh, then Niccolo's idea of a film at the end of an asteroid going to the, an asteroid spaceship going to the sun so that we can finally understand what the sun is made of and how it works, and that will change everything. Uh, that is that is him writing a metaphor to finally understand a woman, if not women in general, uh, and how he needs to armor himself for that trip to to finally right, understand which is fundamentally an what's, insane what's way to going understand inside. The, uh, understand women, right? Yeah, like, it's not great. Is, it's, it's not fundamentally great. insane. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's broken yeah. and weird and wrong. Uh, you will not um, discover any truths that way. Yeah, but then, but then the nephew's response to that story and the final line of the movie, uh, no, it'll change everything, uh, and the nephew says, "Well, what then?" Um, you know, uh, where you know the the male of the next generation uh, is sort of dismissive. <laughs> of his his idea of the, it's like well that doesn't even matter <laughs> um, right right and, uh, and mind you the the male from the next generation is is a child child it's not like yes a absolutely a child. it's like but is, yeah. is a is is fundamentally a non-sexual being and does not have that element of like the relationship but like is a sort of like acknowledgement that like what what is the point of this like what are we what it like and, and maybe in the end points at a at a like kind of basic level, to maybe it does point to Antonio realizing like, oh like I just don't matter <laughs> like, yeah like none of this like and then through Nicola expressing the idea that like, what's the purpose of undertaking that activity if it's like meaningless if it's not going to have any if, it, but like I don't know it's it's really like hard to get a like a lock on it because it's like, but is the idea that like well it, it's meaningless because I'm out of touch or is it meaningless because it won't have an impact on what's about the, on the future. Right. Like those are different understandings of oneself. Right. Yeah. Like, cause like when it really gets down to it, like the thing I I'm constantly grappling with here is like, does Antonioni realize that like his seemingly his fundamental understandings of the, like, relationship between men and women and stuff is like out of touch for like 1982 you'd hope but also maybe not yeah uh, i mean so. like it seems to be that's where the movie hints but like 
seeming his his solution is like, well, I've just got to like armor myself, as you said, and dive deeper to understand the truth. It's like, or you could like have a conversation that is not the conversation of a weird creep. Yeah. I mean, on a purely scientific level, the uh, idea that in order to truly understand the sun, we need to go to the sun uh, is uh, wrong. So um, Yeah, I mean, like, like, never never mind the fact that, yeah, the, the notion <laughs> that the only way you can know what the sun is made of is to, like, go to the sun is, is, I mean, to be fair, it's in line with, like, his, like, misunderstanding of everything, right? And right. so maybe in that sense... If Antonioni is aware of this, it's like, oh, this idiot still doesn't get it. Like, when it all comes down to it, right, right. when all the cards are laid on the table and everything, the dust is settled, this idiot still doesn't understand and never will. Right. Uh, and if that and if that is the case, if, like, if that's really what's being expressed here, that is a, that makes it meaningful. It makes it a, a, a meaningful, it be, but it becomes Fellini-esque, right, in the sense of, like, well, I can't fix myself, so fuck it. At least I know I know my problems, and then like call it a day, which is always the the, the approach that we took away from Fellini, which has always been the the funniest possible answer to like just Fellini's like fundamental idea of like, well, I mean, I uh, these are what's wrong with me. I'm not gonna fix it. I'm not gonna take any steps to make right. myself not this way. So uh, I think we've I think we've made some progress here. Which is still better than the Bunel approach of I already know myself too well to yeah, get right. any yes. benefit from <laughs> the almost seemingly <laughs> like satire level of like well I mean like I yeah. nobody can help me I know myself so well end of end of sentence right ah <laughs> uh, people men. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy this movie either. And I certainly wasn't looking forward to it. And the more I learned about it approaching it, the less. Like, See, I think you, the, you, I you think live the... in a world where you find out anything about a movie before we start. I, I'm ensure that I do not. I make a point of never learning anything about a movie before we start it. The description on Criterion.com in the first sentence uh, calls it... <laughs> uh, soul-bearing voyage into a body and soul-bearing voyage into one man's artistic and erotic consciousness. Oh, God. And and that my initial like reaction... A, that even sort of sounds like a Cinemax just like film description. Yeah, yeah right? It's it's trying to trying to give weight to, to a movie that plays on Cinemax at 2 a.m. Um, I read that, and my, my immediate thought was... I do not believe that Michelangelo Antonioni is capable of an eroticism that I would recognize of as eroticism. Absolutely, and you were right. Uh, you you were yeah. on a core right. level. In many ways, that it, it but, comes off as so off-putting that it basically makes the yeah. rest of the movie. Yeah, kind of. I un, also un, don't think. I don't think the sex in this movie is meant to be erotic. I really do not. No, I, I would agree, uh, but on the on the flip side. I don't know that Antonioni's not into it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the I was already not looking forward to seeing another Antonioni film. But then I saw it described as erotic and found out it was about uh, about a film director. 
and yeah, <laughs> film no, directors yeah, and making movies about any, film directors' right? problems with women is my least favorite genre of film Absolutely, that we've ever 100%. experienced. And like you, you had the reaction that any right-thinking yeah. human being would have to that novel we discussed at the beginning <laughs> of the of the episode, and go, oh, right. and then throw it back into the bargain bin from whence it came. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Identification of a woman. Another Michelangelo Antonio. <laughs> Another film banger that from Pat Antonio. And I did did not react with, uh, well with. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's, I mean, the good news is the man is. only made sixteen films. We're probably not going to watch them anymore. <laughs> Do we have any more Antonioni? Uh, yes, we God do. Damn it, because. Uh, Why, Adam? We still Why? have blow up. We still have blow up, which might be interesting, only because Criterion chose us to chose to show us De Palma's blowout first, which is an homage to blow up. Um, God, I hope it's as stupid I, as blowout. I really hope it's as stupid as blowout. I understand blow up to to be a a thriller in uh in a similar sense. Yeah, um, uh, but I, I have... one can only hope it's a, well. Now I'm kind of wondering because it seems like it's photographer, right? So it's much right, more right, of yes. a, it's more of a like on, at its core. What makes Blowout so funny and is the fact that it's an audio engineer, and not, yeah. and not a thing people usually like use in these kind of roles, uh, yeah. which which makes it almost engaging just from the pure fact that it's like, oh, I know this should be a photographer, right. but what if? It was an yeah. audio engineer. So what's in the Criterion Collection? We've seen Le Clis, Le Ventura, and Red Desert. We've actually only uh, seen Le Clis is those probably three. what you, you're probably yeah. thinking. Le like, Clis might be dude, what I was thinking dude, of. Dude, but, go yeah. look at like the, the photos from La Note and Le, Le, Le Clis and tell me that you can tell the difference between these two movies just like right, on the right, surface. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so we will eventually watch La Nota. That's our next one. Okay. And then Blow Up will be our final one uh, in the high 800s. But in the low 800s, we also get La Amish, his very first film uh, at Spine 817. The so, Amish. So we have, yeah, yes, the Amish. His, his, I'm his, sure that's what, his, sure that's his, what the translation his, is. His, his film career take a, took a real strange turn after yeah. La Amish. But prior to that, yeah. he mostly focused on documentaries about uh, minority groups in the United States. Sure. We're done with Antonioni for another couple of years, uh, yeah. which at least at least Criterion is pacing us. Uh, no more than one a year throughout. Good. Good. Average average down to you know by the time we're done with Antonioni and the Criterion like collection, we'll be years, yeah. yeah, it'll average down to one every two or three years. Um, but yeah, identification of a woman from 1982 is the uh, uh, the most senior Antonioni work we'll see. We won't. For the Criterion Collection, we won't watch the only movie he made after this. I feel like with three and then like sort of spread across his career, like although mostly like this one's a bit of an outlier because it's it's pretty far away from the other ones. Like I don't yeah. know what those middle works look like. We, we as we discussed, but like my grand sort of takeaway is like Antonio is just not for me. Like I don't know, I just don't find anything in here. <laughs> so in the end, it's yeah. like, okay, well every time they he comes up, I'm going to be pretty wary, and I'll feel like I'll be justified in that in many ways, right? Next week, uh, we'll be really be switching gears with a pre-code adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau, the uh, 
H.G. Wells story. Uh, not the famously bad one from the 90s, of course. Uh, this one, uh, early, I'm going to assume that's Earl. E-R-L-E. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, probably Earl. I think that's probably Earl. Yeah. Earl C. Kenton's Island of Lost Souls from 1932. I bet it's going to be fun. Whatever else is happening is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Bella Lugosi's in it. It's going to oh, be fun. Oh, well, yeah. It's probably going to be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so look forward to that. Thank you once again for listening to Lost and Criterion. I'm, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Ojari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been listening to Lost in Criterion with co-hosts Lee Adam Glass and John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. With the collapse of Twitter, who knows what social media we might end up at. How about Blue Sky? That sounds great. Check out the official podcast account at lostincriterion.bsky.social. Jonathan Hape does our music, and you can check out more of his work at jonathan-hape.com or on any music streaming service. And you probably should. He's pretty good. A big thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join their ranks at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. And hey, thank you for listening.